We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, I'd invite you to open it up to that. If not, the Bible app certainly works on your phone, or you can just listen to me read it. Obviously, the Ephesians, that book is in the New Testament. It is a letter written to the church in Ephesus by the Apostle Paul. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to uh, look specifically at verses 13 through 18, and then jump to verses 21 through 22. So let's read this together, and then we'll pray. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace. He has made the Jews and Gentiles one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and then peace to those who were near. For through him, through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And in verse 21, in him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and then rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Pray with me. Father, I pray that these words, the truth, the truth that we read in Ephesians chapter 2, Lord, that these verses would penetrate our hearts. Lord, that, that Your goodness, Father, and Your mercy and the grace that is afforded to us through Your Son, Jesus Christ, would be so fully realized that it would envelop us, Father, that we would be propelled to live lives that honor You as a result. Speak to us. Remind us, Father, of who You are in this time, we pray. Amen. So at the time of Paul's writing, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, and at the time, the Jewish faith possessed the belief that Jews should be separate from all others in religion, in marriage, and in politics. And subsequently, all those who were not Jewish were labeled what? What was the term given to people who weren't Jews? Gentiles. So thus, Gentiles during this time were seen at best outcasts. At best, they were seen as outcasts. Gentiles, those who weren't Jewish, were people who had hardly any rights. Not only did they have hardly any rights, but they really had no place amongst the Jewish people. So Gentiles, many were far away geographically, but even for those who were close geographically, all Gentiles were significantly spiritually distant from the Jewish faith. But this wasn't only specific to the Jewish faith. In antiquity, we see this all over different religions. The ancient world prohibited non-believers of practically any religion from entering places of worship. But specific to our context that we see here in Ephesians 2, 
in this letter to the church in Ephesus, the Jewish temple at the time of, of Paul in Jerusalem made sure to keep Gentiles out. However, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2, verse 16, we read this verse just a minute ago, he says that Jesus came to reconcile both of them, both being Gentiles and Jews, those who were Jewish and those who were not, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Now the Greek, the Greek meaning for the word reconcile, and, and we have to, have to, have to consider the original languages because our English language does not account for the variancies that we find within specifically the Greek in this context. Koine Greek, this was an ancient Greek. And that word reconcile that Paul uses in Ephesians 2.16 means to make friends again. To make friends again. So Paul is saying here in this verse, verse 16, that Jesus brought about peace, that Jesus brought about friendship by turning his death on a cross taking his death on a cross and turning that into something that instead killed the hostility that kept people separated and apart from God. There's a poem called Mending Wall that's written by the poet Robert Frost. And in that poem, the main character, he's fixing his rock wall and he wonders, he says this, something there is that doesn't love a wall. Something that doesn't love a wall. You see, despite the presence of something there that doesn't love a wall, we put them up, don't we? We tend to have PhDs in wall building. And we don't just erect small little fences that keep dogs out. We instead, we build these massive walls that keep others out. Just consider some of these examples, some of these ancient examples. The ancient Egyptians, they built a wall 100 miles long. Can you conceive? And not to be undone, the uh, ancient Babylonians built a wall about 175 miles long. The ancient Roman emperors built walls all throughout Britain and Germany. And the Chinese built the biggest wall of all. 1,500 miles long. Who's been on the Great Wall of China? Did you walk the whole thing? No? Okay. Unless you think that walls like this are a thing of the past, think again. In our modern era, Hitler built the Atlantic Wall. The Atlantic Wall, which sought to protect the land that he conquered, called the Fortress Europe. And then certainly the Berlin Wall that many of us remember. And that extended from the Adriatic Sea to the Baltic. You see, both the ancient and the modern worlds are jam-packed full of walls. So in light of this, let's circle back to Ephesians chapter 2 as Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. In 1871, 1871, Indiana Jones found a carved rock that was discovered in Jerusalem. It wasn't Indy, but it was somebody like him. 
And this slab, this slab that they found was, was one of many signs visible within the inner layer of the temple. So if Paul, if Paul had at the time that he wrote to the church of Ephesus, if he had gone to the temple in Jerusalem, he would have seen these signs all strewn throughout the inner wall of the temple. And here's what the sign read. Let, and it was actually, the sign was in Greek, and that's significant because Greek at this time was a very, very pervasive language. And so if you were a non-Jew, you were speaking Greek. And this is what the sign said. It said this, let no foreigner enter inside the barrier and the fence around the sanctuary. Whosoever is caught will be the cause of death following as a penalty. See, within the Jerusalem temple, the dwelling of God, only certain people could go to certain places. And the temple was actually constructed and operated to keep certain people out. So let's kind of walk through what the temple was. So the temple, it was a set of different courts. And each court was then physically higher than the previous one. And the purpose of this was as you ventured further inside, you actually got higher in elevation in order to represent the holiness that increased the further you got in, the higher that you went. So the first outermost court was the only place that a Gentile could pray. That's, that's, that's where you began to see these signs. So anybody, anybody could go in that first court. But then the next court excluded Gentiles. No Gentile was allowed to then proceed. And that was also the furthest place that a Jewish woman or a Jewish child could go. And then the next court excluded Jewish women and children. They couldn't go any further. And that was the furthest place that Jewish males over 12 years old could go. And then the ne next court was the only court that Jewish priests could proceed. But then only certain priests from certain families. And then the last, the last court was what? Anybody know what it was? What was it called? Say it out loud if you know it. The Holy of Holies, yes. And the Holy of Holies, only one person could enter. The chief priest was the only person who could enter the Holy of Holies, and he could only do it one time a year. You may have heard this before, but what that meant is that whenever he would go in, they would have to tie a rope around his waist why? Because if he were to die inside the Holy of Holies, no one was allowed to go in and get him, and so they had to pull them out through the rope. By its constructed nature, the temple was segregated by race, by gender, by age, and by family. And amidst this reality... Here's what Jesus taught and what Paul conveys to us in Ephesians chapter 2. You see, when you and I, when we begin to construct walls, we automatically create hostility. 
We automatically create hostility. You see, when we build walls, we automatically determine who the in-group is. And then if we determine who the in-group is by the very nature of constructing these walls, then we are automatically, whether we intend to or not, determining who the out-group is. So let's look again at this poem, The Mending Wall, by Robert Frost. As the, as the, 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 the person who is fixing the walls, he wonders, something there is that doesn't love a wall. Before I built the wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out, and to whom I was like give offense. You see, further problems happen when you and I start to build walls. You see, yes, building walls could keep others out. But what we tend to forget is that building walls can also end up creating a cage that locks us in. That's why this message from Paul to the Ephesians is so, so critical. Because, because of Jesus, the wall, the walls have been destroyed. They've been destroyed. Do you remember the footage of the Berlin Wall coming down? Can you, can you remember seeing men and women take sledgehammers to knock down the wall because of their newfound freedom? That's now the reality for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus' death, because of Jesus' resurrection, our relationship with one another and with God is forever changed. The wall of hostility, it no longer separates us. You see, that wall is knocked down. See, Jesus has brought peace, Paul says. And He has forever destroyed hostility. Jesus has erased the regulations that once kept us apart. You see, because of sin, that temptation will always be for you and I to see, uh, see things as us versus them. But in Jesus, these distinctions, they no longer remain. For those in Jesus, there is no out-group. For those in Jesus, we are instead united through His death and through His resurrection. And so subsequently, the walls come down and we are now family members because of the gospel. See, when you've given your life to Jesus Christ, when you've decided to find Him, when you believe that the cross and the resurrection of Jesus have destroyed the walls of separation, then you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And followers of Jesus Christ are called to be those who help bring people beyond the ruins of their lives and past the crumbled walls that used to separate us. You see, we no longer, we no longer have a temple. You know Why? Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we now are the temple. We now have access to God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you found and you now follow Him, the Bible tells us that you now have access, the same access that was only relegated to the chief priest one time a year is now yours in the palm of your hand at any moment, at any day. 
That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 2.22, he says, the dwelling, you are the dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Isn't that absolutely incredible? Soak that in. You are the temple now. God dwells within you through His Holy Spirit when you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And as the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are called, those who are followers of Christ, we are called to reveal God's glory to the world. And that's what Stephen ministers represent. These eight individuals that have been trained to, to be Stephen ministers, they are now set up to care for hurting people, people who are grieving, people who have been let down by others or by life. Stephen ministers help people who have made poor choices and helping them consider the decisions that they must now make more carefully. Stephen ministers care for people whose spouses won't seek help and helps those whose spouses need all of their help. Stephen ministers care for people before and after surgery, before and after marriage, before and after birth, and before, during, and after divorce. Stephen ministers care for those who will recover soon, caring for those who suffer chronic illnesses, and then caring for those who teeter painfully between health and illness. And Stephen ministers show God's love to people who are, who are dying and to those who are changing so much that it feels like a new birth. North Haven Stephen ministers are prepared to declare that the walls are forever down between God and humanity and between us and others. So I'm calling not only our Stephen ministers, but I'm calling our church, North Haven Church, followers of Christ. I'm calling all of us to, to a commitment to Jesus, to embody the message of the cross. And as such, our, our message, our mission, should be similar to those in the chapel of the World Councils of Churches in Geneva. Listen to this. At the end of the Second World War, the mayor of Dresden, Germany, and the mayor of Coventry, England, they brought pieces of bomb shrapnel that they had obtained from their respective cities, the two European cities most bombed in the war. And the pieces of shrapnel were melted and then refashioned into a cross. Christ had indeed become their peace when neither bombs nor negotiations could. Robert Frost reflected something there that doesn't love a wall. And what is that something that doesn't love a wall? It is the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus who has forever destroyed the wall that separated us from God and from others. And it is Jesus who is bringing us back together to God and to one another and then granting us peace. Let's pray. Father God, these walls of hostility are no longer there because 
of your sacrificial love that you displayed so perfectly and beautifully on the cross. And so, Lord, I pray that as we as we go today here in a little bit and proceed on to the week, Father, that you would spur us to reveal the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a gospel that eradicates walls of hostility and instead brings its people together, united, serving a God who will never leave us nor will ever forsake us.